Hey, and welcome to Life with Friends. I'm Kim, and thank you so much for joining us. And we have a treat tonight. We're going to tape at night, usually tape during the day. But we have Travis Mickle, and we have a friend of mine, Leah Bressler, in the house tonight. And we're going to, we're going to, Travis is here, and he has a, he's an executive director of a nonprofit here called Fronting Life. And it's, I'm going to let him talk about it. And I want you to hear his story. And I want to hear some facts behind it too. But it's just so amazing that one, that he's here. And two, he is really reaching into the community. So Travis, when I, I want to know what brought you here first. Like what, you know, I thought it was so interesting when you told me. I think everybody else is wanting to hear this story. Hi everybody. My name is Travis Mickle. Um, I just want to thank you, Kim, for having me here tonight. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to share with everybody uh, my experience, my journey, and, and what I'm trying to do. I uh, was born and raised in New Jersey. I moved to New York City when I was 21 years old, and I decided I was going to work in fashion. I had the life that everybody kind of dreams about. I traveled around the world. I worked for um, a luxury fashion company named Prada for about eight years. My friends worked in movies and films and styling and fashion. Um, I was super engaged with that insta-cool, Snapchat fun, materialistic idea of what I was supposed to do. I wanted to live in a big city. I wanted to own nice things. I wanted to travel to beautiful places. And all of those things I did. But while I was doing all of those things, slowly but surely, um, my addiction was getting the better of me. I've had a problem with drugs and alcohol since I started using when I was 12. Um, on and off. My life would go up and get down, but I was always able to get my get myself out of wherever I was going. Um, so I lived in New York City and at the end I was fired from my job and I decided to use my savings and continue using and engaging with a different part of society and taking myself and creating behaviors and habits that turned me into the person um, that hurt myself, that hurt my loved ones, that no longer had an appetite for life, that no longer thrived from compassion and kindness. Um, I thrived from judgment and resentment, gossip and hatred towards myself, my family, my friends and the world around me. Um, and slowly but surely I started to lose everything. And after having the perfect life, um, the one that everybody wants to, the to live. The American dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, little, the, the yeah. little boy from a little town in New Jersey, living in New York City, making it in the fashion industry. And um, all of that was taken away from me. At the end of it, I didn't have my apartment. I didn't have my art. I didn't have my clothes. I didn't have my money. Um, I didn't have any more trips. All the pictures in the world couldn't have saved me from myself. Um, and I suffer from a disease that a lot of people do, and it's a disease of addiction. Um, I have a feelings disease. I don't like feeling things, or I want to feel too much of things. And I run away from or cling to the feeling that drugs and alcohol can bring to me. Um, and I got confused by that. 
and drugs and alcohol took everything away from me. And I ended up in an insane asylum and a psych ward. Uh, I was in a drug-induced psychosis. I had run out of money and places to stay and friends to live with. Um, I was temporarily homeless on the streets of New York City. And the only place I knew where to go was to go see family to tell them what was going on. And they told me, Trav, you got to go get help. And I did. And I checked into a facility for about six weeks where they had to shock my brain back um, so that I would stop hallucinating. Um, I was seeing different people's faces on different people. I was super paranoid and um, I'd lost my touch with reality. And my parents had retired to Wilmington, North Carolina, and I had nowhere else to go. And I hadn't really spoken in, to my parents. We had we had kind of went separate ways for a few years. We had differences of opinions and ideas on the world and things like that. But my addiction pushed them so far away that I just didn't want them or anybody else in my life. And I asked them if I could come stay with them. And, and that's how I got to Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, and when I moved down here, it was a big adjustment for me, but it was the greatest gift I ever got was having everything I ever owned or knew taken away from me because I had no other option but to look at myself and my choices and figure out what kind of life I wanted to live. And I decide today that I want to live a life of recovery. Um, I engage with many, many different recovery programs in our area. Um, whether it's a 12-step program like NA and AA or Dharma Recovery, which is a Buddhist-based recovery. Um, I've done classes in Smart Recovery. Um, I fell in love with meditation and energy healing when I got down here. There's something very special about this area. There's a spiritual understanding and energy that's here, especially considering it's such a transient population. Um, but there are a lot of people here who also suffer from addiction and who also are trying to figure out how to live a new life. Um, and over the past three years that I've been living here, I've taken different classes on meditation, um, frequency healing through what's called binaural beats. Um, there's also different types of sound healing uh, with sound baths, which use crystal quartz or Tibetan singing bowls to change the frequency of your body. Um, I engage with mindfulness meditations, um, transcendental meditations, a lot of different areas because I was searching for something because I didn't understand why I was never happy. I didn't understand why I was constantly trying to run away from my feelings and emotions constantly clinging to things that I thought would make me happy. I, live a, I lived a life where I thought if I had everything and I checked all the boxes, beautiful apartment in Gramercy, um, I went on vacations around the world, I had lots of friends, I wore beautiful clothes, I had great friends, and I did all of those things and I checked all those boxes, but I always felt like something wasn't right that I didn't fit in, that I wasn't a part of, that I wasn't loved, that I wasn't taken care of. Um, and 
I've found through meditation and different types of practices that if I get out of my thinking mind, the mind that tells me that I'm not good enough, the mind that tells me I'm less than, the mind that wants to gossip and judge other people, the mind that wants to live in the past and fears the future, I'm never going to heal myself. I'm never going to get to be the person I'm supposed to be. And I engaged deeply with that. And I started a Dharma recovery um, meeting in Wilmington, which had four or five of us in the beginning. And now we have 20 to 40 people showing up. Um, And then I also came up with the idea of creating a nonprofit for people in recovery um, to give them the ability to go outside of the medical world, outside of their psychiatrists, outside of the 12-step programs, to engage with a stillness that comes from different types of meditation and energy healing. I focus on this stillness because I found that when I gain true stillness, I create greater wisdom for myself because I give myself the time necessary to process something, necessary to see the world in a different light. I used to instantaneously react to everything that was happening to me because I was completely obsessed with myself and thought that if somebody was doing something to me, it was because of me. But in the reality of the situation, I am not that important. I am just another human being trying to do the best they can. And I now see the world as a group of human beings all doing the best they can. Sometimes the best is not what I think, but that's not for me to decide. They have lived a life and people have lived a life that I can't explain, but I don't need to judge them and I don't need to gossip about them and I don't need to resent them and I don't need to tell them to change. I need to give them the ability to find silence and stillness to create balance and love and compassion and kindness in their lives. I realized how far away I was from that idea. And the idea of fronting life came about to me. I, with a couple of my friends, decided I wanted to start meditation groups for people who were in recovery. And I wanted to introduce different types of Dharma and different types of energy healing with Reiki practitioners and mindfulness meditations and expand and grow and expand and grow. Um, And Fronting Life is currently a place where anyone who's healing from any type of trauma or from any type of addiction, whether it's alcohol or drugs, or is just looking for a safe community where they can find stillness and balance for an hour every week, that's what I provide um, and we provide to the community. We meet every Monday at 6 p.m. at 3403 Winston Boulevard. Um, We have a transformed sanctuary from a church. Um, We all get together and we're all there to engage with love and compassion and kindness, to engage with frequencies, to engage with meditation, to disconnect from the material world and the socially acceptable world to engage with something that I had forgotten about a long time ago. 
And that's compassion and kindness towards myself and the world around me. And that includes the difficult people, the people who I don't understand, but I can still choose to love and show compassion for. Um, I, ju I just want to create a world that has less suffering and more compassion for people. Because there's so many times that people in addiction and people who are recovering from trauma, they get pushed to the side because nobody sees them. They see their pain and they see their anger and they see their hurt and they assume that they're bad people. And it's not that they're bad people, they just don't know any better. And I wanna introduce the idea of stillness and balance in their lives so that they can regain control and they can become the people they're meant to be, not the people we tell them they're going to be. And my mission is to create a community and hopefully create a recovery center where any type of trauma recovery, all the tools necessary, all the things that help us change and grow are available to anybody who wants them. And it's a safe place for anybody to go to ask questions, whether it's for your friends and family, Everybody I know knows somebody who suffers from addiction. I want to create a place where you can ask questions about that. If you want to give them different options or figure out what it means. Um, because I think educating people in our community with and without addiction is really what's going to tie the community together. Not saying we're better than, but trying to understand each other trying to get to common ground, not trying to prove who's right or wrong, but just trying to understand each other. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all just trying to understand who we are. And it's easier to do when you come from a place of love and compassion, kindness and care. Um, and don't get so wrapped up in what society tells us we need to have or who we're supposed to be. Get wrapped up in the ability to help somebody, to sit together in a room of people meditating. Because when you meditate with a group of people for 30 minutes to an hour, your frequency, your body, your personality, your thoughts all change. And the person you are when you leave that meditation is not the person you were when you entered. And that person is sent back out into the community seeing their friends and family with a new energy and a new perspective and a new love. And it only lasts for a short amount of time, but every week you can come back and you can fill up your cup so that you can find more stillness and balance and love and wisdom in your life. So I have a couple questions, all right? <laughs> Was that too long? Sorry. No, I love it. I, 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 I don't even think that I need to be in the room with you. You're just how you speak is so, it's just, it's, it's gore. It just flows so nicely. What? So when you said you were twelve, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people that probably in this community don't realize that a twelve-year-old, you flipped a switch. You probably flipped the trigger. Yeah. To addiction. Mm -hmm. What? And you may not know this. I mm -hmm. know you do know some percentages. What percentage of twelve-year-olds are on that path? And you know, like what percentage? of 12 year olds are gonna flip that switch and land where you did? I think um, for me, 
it's not about the percentage. It's about not, I wasn't able to express my feelings and I wasn't able to properly voice my opinion to my friends and family. And I felt like I had nowhere to turn. Not that my parents did anything wrong, not that anybody did. Everybody was doing the best they could, but I wasn't understood and I was never given the ability to voice that. And I found that drugs allowed me to get a momentary relief from the feelings that I didn't understand. So in Wilmington, let me, because let me, let me, let me not say percentages. Yeah. You were telling me some statistics that I didn't know about Wilmington. One was. 11.9% of the population in Wilmington is addicted is has an addiction problem right now and we are the highest we have the highest addiction percentage in the country which is nobody wants that and, yeah you know on there's their... a task force they've put together for the opioid crisis in wilmington they just received a 2.5 million dollar grant towards that um and how many re- so what i see about you that's different and i don't know a lot about recovery Mm -hmm. i have worked a long time ago with dual diagnosed folks but basically you treat them and you street them so you're you know you treat them okay you're out you're on the street um you don't have a lifestyle you don't have an educational you don't have the meditation you don't have that integration back into society that's where I'm looking at your website and I'm seeing a very different approach. You want to integrate in like the, what is it, the CS? Uh, CNS Social Club. Yeah, tell me about that. That's very interesting. Yeah, so we try to do, uh, we'll do like bonfire meditations. I did a couple last year um, right on, on Freeman Park really? on Carolina Beach. So we'd have 20 or 30 people. A lot of people in recovery are looking for something to do, something outside of alcohol-based right. bars. And, and society has deemed it acceptable that drinking can be done anywhere, all the time. All, it's what, especially here, you're yeah. in the resort area, the beach town. Yeah. And I, I understand that, but I want to give people things that they can do outside of that. So we would do meditations on the beach, and then for an hour after, we would all just hang out. Leah helped me set them up and we would bring the fire we would drive onto the beach and we put the bonfire pit we'd do a 20 or 30 minute meditation while the sun's setting and then we all got to engage with each other outside of a meeting outside of a medical profession outside of that just to be one with nature to engage with stillness and balance and then to also connect with people we might not have ever met or been able to engage with to bring a sense of community. We do things like we'll go recently, we've been going rollerblading because scooters in Wilmington, North Carolina, um, there's no drinking there. So it's a really fun adult thing to do. Um, And we've been trying that out and people have really been liking it. Um, We do hikes at Carolina Beach State Park. Uh, Just different things where we have time where you're out of a lot of people live in recovery homes, transitional homes. Um, They're out of that environment and they get to engage. With the CNS Social Club, I really want to engage with nature a lot as well. Um, I threw 
uh, a party last year to to basically a party fundraiser for Fronting Life. It was a non-alcohol-based dance party. We had a hundred and something people. And this is like a, like, just I mean, a... that's out there. <laughs> you know, I love it. Yeah. And I had my, uh, one of my friends who DJed from New York City come down yes. and I sold tickets to it and, and it helped get some of the funds necessary, but enga- let people engage with like getting dressed up, going out, doing something fun. Um, Without... Without having alcohol and and that temptation around. And those are the ideas I want to expand on. Creating safe places for people who are new in recovery or people who have been in recovery where they don't have to worry about if a drink is going to get spilled on them. If they bring one of their friends and they might take a drink when they just started and they're on their recovery journey. Like to create a safe place where we can come together to meet new friends, build a bigger recovery network. The world doesn't allow people to create a recovery network. I'd ask everybody who's listening to this, how many of your friends do you know that don't drink regularly? And if you do, and they said, I want to meet more people who don't drink regularly, where would you send them? Well, I'm going to send them to you (laughs) right now. But, you know, I'm saying that is a... That's a that's a need. That's, yeah. an, that's an absolute need to have groups and parties and bonfires and things that don't involve drinking. But I also think it's a really big need for kids, yeah. especially your middle school and your high school kids, where the because the pressure is on so much. Everything revolves even at that age to be drinking and doing drugs, and then you're on that path. I thought something was really cool too. What you said is. It's important to see the person. Mm-hmm. So if you can separate the person from the disease, that is how healing. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, why did they do this? It's maybe chemistry or, psych- you know, psychology or something. Like, so let's, let's, let's focus on the person. Let's do the mindfulness. Yeah. Let's do the... Um, the sound baths? Is yeah, that, sound yeah. baths. Yeah, so well, Reiki. Reiki, acupuncture, yeah. all of that is engaging with and really reinforcing to someone that they deserve to heal, that they can heal themselves. For so long, our society has deemed you need to take a pill, you need to go on a maintenance, you the need to do model. the treatment yeah, model. And the treatment model works really well. When you want to get somebody off of something and then you want to throw them back into the world. But what do you do with all those people when they're back in the world? And that's where I want Fronting Life to come in. As we expand over the next couple years, I want to have a community garden where people can come learn how to grow food. I want to have cooking classes. So all of these people in recovery, especially who have had a very low bottom that have been in jails, institutions, all of that, their life has been taken away from them. They haven't learned a lot of the skills necessary. They haven't become the person they're supposed to be. And who's teaching them those things? Well, that's what I'm saying. You treat them <laughs> and then you street them. Yeah. So the, it, it's, I think I was talking to Leah the other day. It's a cycle. Like, how do you expect someone to get better if you don't put those components in place to help them live a different life. 
I think we have two competing medical systems in the world. You know, we have the Western philosophy, which is more of the philosophy that you isolate and find the issues. If you break your arm, they're going to find that spot, they're going to reset your arm and send you on your way, and then they never worry about anything else. And then you've got the opposite model coming from the Eastern doctrine, where they look at the whole person and then treat things um, going from that perspective. Interestingly, I think there's a lot of validity in both approaches to medicine. Um, I, I think we need both. I think one one has helped drive the other, but the way we've grown in our country is is to grow exclusively in that Western model where you pull apart. I was a person um, who did go to rehab in my 40s. Uh, it surprised a lot of people in my life. Um, I don't know lots of people really well. The people that knew me really well knew I needed to go. <clears throat> the people that knew me from my community, from my job, from my children, from life from the, the persona I put on, had no clue and were shocked that I was in rehab. Um, so I think what I learned in that facility was um, rehab does a great job of keeping you away from a substance for a month, and that's how the program's designed. So you come in, you, you get out, and, and they can keep you away from a substance uh, for a month, and they can give you a lot of programs that you can use to help yourself stay off of that substance if you're successful. Um, the problem that they have is that most people are not in a vacuum and they're not coming in for substance abuse. Substance abuse is a symptom of trauma or a reaction to mental illness or a problem of, of, of another nature um, is at the bottom of it. Those things are what is not being addressed and what I found unique and really special about Fronting Life was I live in Carolina Beach, which is a little island off the coast. This island is all about the party. We have fundraisers every night of the week on Every this night. And <laughs> they That's why this girl stays home. Bottoms up, baby. <laughs> there really isn't much During to the do. day. We're not even talking just the night. No, oh, yeah. yeah. Every day. It is like 24-hour cycle. You get up, it's breakfast, it's lunch, it's dinner. It's right. like, let's go drink. It's yeah. just part of our community. And, and yeah. it's not a part of the community that's bad. It, it, right. it, it, there are a lot of people that do it well. I'm not one of them. Yeah. Um, but, but some people can handle that in life. I, just not me. Right. Um, but for those of us that are trying to do things and have a life outside of alcohol, there really is not much going on. And Fronting Life made it fun to take a walk in the park. We, we laid down on a blanket with strangers and looked at the clouds. <laughs> I hadn't done that since I was in eighth grade. Yeah. You know, and what a fun, joyous, simple activity. Free. You know, and it's just... I wouldn't have thought to do it on my own. I wouldn't have gone there by myself. I ended up meeting several nice people. Um, and you find out that, that when you meet people and you're all in that same situation, you're all coming from a place of recovery, right. we don't get around each other and talk about war stories or what's your drug or how did you end up here. That's not it. We're around each other talking about what your ideas are. What's tomorrow going to look like? How's the future going? What, what are these plans? And, and keeping it positive and interesting and focused on the future. And that's what I really like about Fronting Life is it's, it's not just bringing a mindfulness. It's bringing a sense of community to a group yeah. of very underserved individuals. Um, 
Most of the folks that come don't have health insurance. Those of us with health insurance, we can go get Reiki and therapy and get, we right. can do all this stuff. We have a hundred bucks. We can go spend it on the acupuncture. Right. When you're already in a, in a low socioeconomic issue and food is a scarcity in your life, the idea that you can go and meditate somewhere and pay somebody, that, that's that not, has to be that's so not going to get that on That has to budget. be so foreign, though, if you think that, about it. That's a first world problem, quite frankly. Yeah. And, and, and I can't afford to meditate would be a terrible thing for somebody to be in that position. But it's even worse in that, that there's no education about what the meditation does for our, our populations in the greatest need. They don't understand that, that you don't always need medicine. You don't always need therapy. There are other natural things that can really help. Well, I can tell you that I went on Monday and um, I had to get used to the sage. I wasn't sure, but it went. The, it was like pleasant after a minute. I'm like, I didn't know what it was. But I was in the room and it was an eclectic group, right? <laughs> I loved it though. Because, I mean, I'm looking around, there's a couple of people that look like me, there's a lot of people that don't look like me, but there's, and everyone's just laying down, and then Travis starts the binaural beats mm -hmm. after everything's been smudged, and then he starts the, is that? The, Crystal Core Singing Bowls. Okay. Yeah. And then, so my mind is going, it's, you got to stop. You've got to let it go, you know, you're laying here. You know, and I'm thinking about 5,000 things, but you said something. <laughs> it, remember I said, whatever yeah. you said, my brain attached to. And you just repeat, and I didn't hear anything else you said. No other word did I hear, but I heard that sentence. And I was able to like, okay. So I checked my watch, and I'm like, I'm at 78 beats per minute. I'm not breathing. How am I walking around not breathing like what am I like a fish out of water or something but when you finished <laughs> my beats had gone down to 56 and I'm like wow if nothing else for high blood pressure boom but it took that one sentence it's just that one sentence that I could I could just I could understand and it resonated with me but I can. But the guy beside me, you know, he was so nervous. Yeah. I think he was snoring. Yeah. I think he ended up going to sleep. So I write all of the, I write all of the meditations for everybody, and I've tested all of these meditations out with friends, like before they go into groups and things like that. Yeah. Every individual, what you, what everybody has to understand about it, meditation is, there's no right or wrong way to go about it. And what meditation is actually used for is to retrain your focus. We have been conditioned to focus and trust the thoughts that are in our mind. The racing thoughts of, I have to pay this bill, I have to go to the bank, I have to see my husband, I have to go, I have to, go to this PTA meeting, I have to schedule this, bring the kids here, don't stop. We don't realize that we could go days without stopping and thinking. We can go days without focusing on our breath. And what that does is it allows your ego and your thinking mind to take more and more and more control. And that specific part of your brain functions on a fight or flight and is constantly in some type of panic or chaos. So when you're in meditation, 
in the beginning, all you're doing is just shifting your focus away from your thoughts onto your breath, away from your thoughts onto your breath. From there, you expand into the words, I am safe, I am secure, I am stable, I am loved. And then slowly but surely, your nervous system down regulates, your heartbeat starts to calm down. You start sharing your energy with the people around you and your body starts changing actually on a chemical like level. And you have a sense of euphoria, you have a sense of stillness. All of those thoughts that were important to you, the schedules and the plans, the resentments, the, the fears, they kind of melt away all by just taking your focus away from your thoughts onto your breath and allowing frequency to come into your body. And then when you finish it, whether you do 10 minutes, we did 40 minutes, your body is different. You, you, you feel, everybody feels the change. And what upset you before no longer usually matters to you. What was a big deal has now been left behind. And you bring that stillness and that balance out into the world. Well, and I came home and slept. <laughs> so it's really difficult for me to sleep. I have a, 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 I listen to the binaural beats and then I listen to, I li try to listen to the sound bowls, whatever. I try, and, but then I, you know, I don't watch TV. I try not to stimulate myself like that. I was exhausted. I dragged myself into the house. I'm like, I'm going to bed. And I slept the entire night. Well, what's so. fascinating to me about all of this was when I'd go, I was a person who had anxiety disorder and sleep trouble and um, complex PTSD. And I had all the symptoms of it. And this stuff worked. I'd leave these meditations, and I also am an ADD nightmare. People that know me know that. And when I talk, it's, I've got 20 subjects in my head, and you better keep up because I'm not going to inform you when I'm jumping. Nope, you're rapid. Boom, boom. <laughs> Open up those windows. Rapid fire. <laughs> and so, if you're not catching up, you're left behind. Yes. So I thought meditation, no chance. Just no chance. I'm not going to be able to do that. I can't sit still and watch a commercial, let alone meditate. And sit quietly and do what? No, that's a waste of time. I could be getting something else done. <laughs> right. Um, then I, I went and I was kind of tricked, to be honest with you, not, not in a bad way, in a good way. But I showed up to <laughs> Dharma, which is the Buddhist recovery version of um, AA and NA. And they did, Travis was there doing a guided meditation as part of the meeting. And it was a beautiful experience. And it gave my mind a lot of calmness. Um, I was so stunned at the severity of change from my mental outlook and how much calmness I felt inside that um, I've, been, I've been doing the meditation now for a year and I started doing more and more of it. Um, in the last, this past summer, I picked up doing daily meditation and in July I did a lot of blood work. I had high blood pressure that was medication resistant since I was 19. Today, I was taken off my blood pressure medicine because my blood pressure is 98 over 58. And they're telling me it's too low with the medication. This has got my doctors scratching their heads. And yeah. it was funny today to watch them both, one called another in, and they were asking me, what kind of meditation is this? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I had to explain to them, and I, I, I let them know, about, because I went out, I need an answer. 
That's my personality. I, I need an answer. And it, it can't just be because it works. That's not a good right. answer. I want I want the picture of the broken arm. I want to see what why is this working. I want one, two, three, four, and five. Yeah, yes. Spell it out for me. And yes. there's a great book out of MIT. It's um it's his work, it's Dr. Nader, uh, who practices at NIT and he's a neurobiologist. But he has a book called One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness. And that explained what's happened in Western medicine, explaining all this Eastern stuff about meditation, what they've done now are EEG studies of the brain. And so when you are in these meditations and when you are doing different meditative or mindful activities, you're actually changing the neural structure of your cortexes. And so when that gets proven on the EEGs, that's when I was like, hold the phone. Yeah. For 40 years, I've been doing medicines, self-medication, EMDR, yeah. cognitive behavior therapy. I, I hate talking to people. Hate it. Um, especially <laughs> about my problems. No, yeah. thank you. I, I had an ego the size of Texas. I did not need to hear about my problems. I know about them. Um, and I don't want to talk about them. Uh, what was beautiful was that this, it's like hitting a reset for your mind and your brain. We're amazing computers. That's what we are. We're just an amazing, amazing species. And our mind is a gift that will help us deal with accumulated stress, high blood pressure, and the problems that we face for not dealing with this simply through meditation and stillness. And, and the proof is out there at all the universities. And I guess my question is, I can't think of a good reason other than there's a whole lot of money wrapped up in the system that we currently use. Because I'm now having to be taken off of my medications for anxiety and blood pressure because I sit quietly and find stillness each day. And think about that, Travis. Your meditations. <laughs> think about that. And your sound healing may have the ability. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Do you think it can just like stop relapse? I, I think it will help recidivism for yeah. sure. And because what it's doing for me is we can't <laughs> stop that, of course. We can't make those claims. You can interrupt it. Yeah. But I think people I will have a pause it, before they choose that. Right. Because there's more balance in their life that they don't need to shut the feelings or run after them with the drugs and the alcohol. They'll choose to find the stillness again instead. And the complex PTSD symptoms that I had, and I can only speak for me, arrested with daily meditation. And had I not gone into to fronting life and met Travis and done this guided mindful meditation, I wouldn't have been able to embark on that journey. I wouldn't have even known it really existed. And I have some education. I went to school, I've been a teacher. I, I did brain injury law for a number of years. I, I, I've studied stuff and I'm stunned that at 49 years old, after spending a lifetime of frustration, self-medication, your doctor medication, appointments, therapies, yeah. cognitive behavior, the lens, the, the staring at EMDR, you name it, the ball in each hand. It, that all helped, but it didn't work. This worked. I sleep normally. I don't want to cover up feelings because my feelings are resolved. Tell me again, because I don't think we've gone over, you might have told me, how did you guys meet? I don't think I know that. Or if I did, I have for how did y'all cross paths? 
When I first started Fronting Life, somebody I knew, Megan, brought Leah to one of them. Okay. And she really liked it, and we engaged, and she kept coming back, and we started hanging out, and, like, little by little, we became very good close friends. And, and I, I can say Leah is one, of, is one of my closest friends here. Like, I love her to death. Um, the stillness, it healed my mind for me. And, and yeah. I was raised on military bases by type A people that basically, if, if I'm sitting with my eyes closed, I'm being lazy. Right. That's just the truth of it. You know, if I'm not doing something, actively doing something, that's wrong. Uh, in, in the way I was raised, we had vacations that were every second of the day filled with an activity. We didn't sit and stare at nature. And I think there's a lot of us like that. I raised my own kids. And yeah. Kim, I know you know my oldest son. I, I'm a travel director. <laughs> I was a travel director. Yeah, I'm like, we're going to go do this, this. I mean, we got in the, we, you know, we were in the woods a lot, but I didn't teach an appreciation of stillness to mm -hmm. my older children. And I am backpedaling now. But, and trying my best to get them to sit down long enough to listen to me. But how would you teach it if you didn't experience know it? it. I, I don't know. The only time, the first time I experienced, because I'm a lot like you, high energy all over the place, I don't sit down until I drop, was when my mother was dying. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I think you'll like this, Travis. And my mother, <laughs> I mean, not, the, my mother was dying. She had terrible pain. And um, this Reiki practitioner in Catawba County came in, and Catawba County is like, uh, it's not your most forward. Is that in North Carolina? Yes. Oh, okay. So, Sorry, I should know that. It's a, no, you wouldn't. It's, 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 it's at the base. I'm of learning. The I love it here. I'm staying forever. It's a base of mountains, but um, she did, she put my, nothing was touching my mother's pain. She did Reiki on my mom. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. This is the first time I've ever heard of Reiki. I said, and she was, oh, I, she goes, I need to work on you. And I'm like, why? She goes, there is so much anger coming from you. She goes, you are just radiating heat. I said, well, come on. You know, I'm ready. I didn't know what it was. I don't even know where I'm going with this. Anyway, she did Reiki on me, and I was able to sit, because my mother didn't tolerate noise. Yeah. So I had to learn to and I couldn't even flip a book. You know, you couldn't even flip a book or the page. She would hear it. I had to learn to be still, and that was the first time in my life I had to get very comfortable being still and not saying a word, not even moving. It was very unnerving for a long time to sit that still. And I think that's when I learned about the nothing box, being able to think about nothing. And I'm like, I don't know how I can do that more often, but I really enjoy it. It was like a, a feeling of peace, and I think that's what that that meditation did for me the other night. Is just that that one sentence was yeah. allowing me to open that healing mm -hmm. and that nothing box. So I'm thinking, I mean, man, you need to go to schools. <laughs> neo I'm here for you. It. Think about neonatal units. Prisons. I work Prisons. currently with different, um, I do meditation for the task and the reset. So I'll go in once a month and people who are just released from jail, I do meditations with them. So I'm, I'm working with some of those. I'm thinking that juvenile 
justice and delinquency centers. I mean, like I catch them at least when they're a little bit young. Yeah. You know, and 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 you think about the recovery community. It's not even just the addicts. It is Al-Anon. It is the children of the addicts. It's the wives. It's the parents. It's the community. And that's what makes this particular social issue, I don't want to say unlike others, but but the fentanyl that's come into this county, um, it's a tragedy. We're losing people left and right, and we're losing very young people very quickly. And I'm, I'm older, I'm 49. I didn't know a lot of people that were doing that kind of stuff back in high school, but if they did or if I heard about it, those people died after miserable lives in their 40s of some kind of a right. liver disease. These children are dying right now because fentanyl is no joke and it is not, Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's just killing people. But here's that thing, where's that 12 year old that yeah. had that emptiness? Where do you go to feel it? Well, and that's what scares you know, me like, as a parent. Feel? Yeah. Because the 12 year old, even for my older son is your older son's age, yeah. is 20 something. So when he was 12, it wasn't, I don't mean to sound silly, but it, fentanyl wasn't available mm-hmm. in, in the mm-hmm. school. That wasn't a problem I was worried about right then. There were other problems, for sure. Right. Um, Girls. It scares me now to think about <laughs> a 12-year-old. You can't just make a mistake. It's not one little thing. It'll kill them. It'll kill them, and that's the thing. How there's no, do you? There's no. Yeah. There's no a second chance. Here. How do? You, why are? And then we're gonna. We have like five minutes. Um, not because I want to close it out. I am not allowed to have past 40, 40 some minutes. Why are we not in schools, every like minute of the day, going grabbing these kids, like the middle school kids who have nowhere to go and nothing to do to fall into these places you know the the kids that are like guarding my litem that they're where are their lives going why are we county guardians at litem right now are drowning they are drowning we got to get your bowls everywhere (laughs) we need bowls everywhere we need bowls and that's what confuses me is that this is i'm here to help anywhere in the community why isn't it everywhere you know, and that's where, where my, my 49-year-old parent of six people, my brain's coming into this going, how did it take me this long to find this? I've been struggling and looking, and I couldn't find it. Because well, it doesn't fit into a capitalistic society. No, that's what it was. And it's and not it, a material thing that you can... And I didn't bumble into the right Reiki session. I mean, but, but Reiki's expensive. And Reiki is very expensive. Rehab's really expensive. And I was like, oh, free Reiki. <laughs> that's how I met Travis. <laughs> he made it happen. So. Well, and so what we need to do for Travis, and, you know... We need to help him let other people get free Reiki. Yeah, but we're gonna have to raise some money. So we're so we're gonna have I'm to. I'm here for it. Yeah, I know, and I am gonna help you as much as I can. That's one thing I can do very, very, very well, is raise money. And so, if anyone's listening, and I'm gonna hope everybody shares this, I'm gonna really push it on people to share. We need money <laughs> because we're gonna pay for it one way or the other. We're gonna pay for it down the line in programming or jails or health crises or drug clinics. Mm-hmm. Let's see. If we can do it before, let's fix that ship. Let's go upstream this time mm-hmm. instead of always landing downstream. 
Um, I do hate to do this, but we are going to have to cut it. I'd like to do it again. Yeah. I would like to do a <laughs> second and third session about how we can grow Travis's program and Leah, how we can figure out some kind of meditation recovery center that goes with Travis. Because I think everyone. The county needs a trauma center. The, well, everyone, there's not a child that isn't going through something. What no one has that perfect life. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. No one does, and we have too many kids that are dying. So whatever we can do to help Travis, I'm going to help you. <laughs> I appreciate um, that very much. Yeah. And if anybody has any questions and you want to email me, you can email me at info at frontinglife.com. Um, and you can also go onto the website, frontinglife.com and send me a message through there. I'm always happy to answer any questions or if you'd like to get to know me better or you want to sign up for one of the classes, you can do it through there as well. And I'm going to put links. I figured out, like I was telling Leah and Travis, you know, this is new to me. I jumped into it and I'm learning as I go, but I found how to put links. Okay. So I'm going to put links and I'm, and we just need to share it guys. We get as much as I don't like Facebook. Facebook's a tool. We need to use it for good. So let's send this out. Let's share it. If you're interested, let's get in touch with Travis. If you want him to come to your school or to your exercise class or to your recovery center, let's let's help let's help him do that. All right, guys. So we're getting ready to sign off. I want to do this. I want to have a couple more sessions. Okay. If y'all are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you for coming to Carolina Beach. Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm really interested in the bonfires. I'm, I guess I wasn't here, but the next bonfire, I want to be invited. Yeah, yeah. Um, I loved every minute of this. I love your energy. And thank you so much, guys. And we will I'm gonna try and see if I can get them next week or the next week. Travis is very busy, um, as all executive directors. <laughs> can drown. Who also has a full-time job. It also has a full-time job. And, that, and that's not that unusual yeah. in the nonprofit world. No, it's not. You know, it's, but uh, let's see what we can do to um, help them bring this dream to life. Thank you so much. All right, thank you guys. Thank you, and yeah. I will um, sign it off, and I will talk to you all next week. All right, goodbye.